let's face it, nobody wants to be left out of joining a great opportunity or using a great product that everybody else has. Welcome to What's Wrong With Your Business, a podcast where we examine the problems that keep business owners up at night. From long-term strategies to risk management tools, you'll hear a variety of ways to identify what could be going wrong and how to adapt in a rapidly changing market. I'm your host, Grace Lacanti. I'm a consultant, futurist, and writer on topics related to healthy feedback loops, workplace equity, and creative communication strategies. This is episode five, which business models are predatory? In this episode, you're going to hear the 10 different kinds of business models and what makes them unique, the four organizational vulnerabilities that can cause harm or damage to others, and the six principles of influence and why those can cause harm. There are at least 10 popular models that business owners use to deliver services or products to customers. The first one is pretty obvious, brick and mortar. It's a physical location where customers walk in and receive their services or products in person. The downside of this is that there's a high cost for overhead and it's difficult to generate foot traffic. The second type of business model is brick and click, which combines all the benefits of a physical store with an online presence that enhances the customer experience. It can use a smartphone beacon to allow discount offers. It can integrate inventory and fulfillment for in-store pickup. This is a really great combination that a lot of stores are using, especially if they can't have a physical presence. So this has a lot of the same limitations as an online store as well. Uh, The overhead cost is very high. It can be difficult to integrate the technology and manage it, and there is a very high cost for setting up an online platform, especially if you need a lot of integration. The brick, click, and flip model is a really cool method of integrating both physical location of the brick and mortar, the click part of having online sales opportunities, and the flip, which is a marketing material portion that is really, really exciting for customers. Let's face it, we are still physical beings and we really like to hold things in our hands even if we're using electronic devices as our main form of communication. There's just something about having a catalog or a mailer or some sort of physical material in your hand that causes you to be more open to purchasing from certain retailers. It's a tangible product interaction. So you can either have a catalog, a flyer, or a shock and awe package, which is something that a customer would not expect that can get them interested into purchasing more services or products from you. It could be an ebook combination. Um, Basically, it creates multiple access points. And of course, there's a downside to having a physical location with a high overhead, plus the cost of an online platform and the marketing costs. But this can be a very lucrative way to connect with many different types of buyers. The fourth model is a home-based business. So this is either an owner-operator who does all of the work themselves, a sole proprietor who may or may not hire employees, or a solo practice, which is a licensed professional that works mainly from their home. So this cuts down on overhead costs, but it also requires a lot of organizational skills, and it can make it very difficult to stay competitive in the market. The fifth type of business model is an online business, where all of the shopping is done through a web platform. So this is also called online shopping, a click business, or e-commerce. There are many different tricks that online 
business owners use to attract traffic to their website so that customers will buy from them. And this really does require an understanding of search engine optimization, which is also called SEO. And it's also imperative that you understand how to build relationships with customers who may never meet you or even know who you are. So this customer acquisition process needs to be personal and it also needs to have a funnel system so that you're moving people through different gates of purchase decision making. Number six is the franchise, which is an established systematized business that is proven to be successful and has a very straightforward way that the franchisee has to conduct business. So this uh, requires a very high upfront cost and there are also additional startup costs for build out. There can be royalty payments, advertising costs, marketing material, and it's very limited in the creativity that the franchisee can use because it's part of a franchise. It's a, a replication of the original concept. Those six types of business models pretty much constitute the typical business that is out there, but there are four additional ones that have some problems and I'm going to explain each one and then describe why they can be predatory and what you can do to find your way through it as a potential business owner or as a current business owner so that you're not taking advantage of people. Number seven in my list, I chose pyramid scheme. I just wanted to put it right in the middle. This is not a legal business model to use. It is outlawed in many countries, but it still continues to pop up. And that's because, as you can read in many of my blog posts about this, it's based on human nature. We all want to feel included. We all want to get ahead. We all think that opportunities will fall in our lap that we really need to take and run with because if we don't do something, we could miss out. And that fear of missing out drives us to make decisions that are really not very risk intelligent. So a pyramid scheme is a method where someone develops a system where an initial investment is expected to produce a substantial return. So this creates a cycle that the person who's investing gets stuck in because they keep expecting more returns, they may see initial returns, but then eventually the more money they give, the more they lose. And there's something called sunk cost bias that develops, where they believe that if they continue to support it, they will eventually get a payoff because they can't deny that they've been sucked into a system that's failing. They also don't want to admit that they made a bad decision. This is a really, really common scheme, unfortunately. A lot of TV shows are, show, are written about this. American Greed is a really fantastic one if you haven't seen it already. Um, but the Federal Trade Commission is cracking down on this and it has done many investigations on multi-level marketing companies that have crossed over into pyramid scheme territory. Some of the ones in the past few years have been Usana Health Sciences, New Skin Enterprises, even Mary Kay Cosmetics, which is a household name in most of the US, Herbalife, very, very popular company, and Amway, which is one of the first large multi-level marketing companies. Additionally, warnings for false earnings claims and unfounded health benefits related to COVID-19 have recently come up and have been warned by the FTC. And these include Arbonne International, doTERRA, Modere, Prove It Ventures, Total Life Changes or TLC, ID Life, It Works Marketing, Roden and Fields, 
and Zervita. All of these companies have recently been warned to stop making false promises about the earnings potential. That's that they're saying you can earn so much money when it's very difficult to make any profit from these types of companies. Or they have made false statements about the health benefits that are possible in curing the COVID-19 virus. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, is also very much involved in warning consumers about the dangers of pyramid schemes and multi-level marketings. And they say there are three indicators that these two are very similar. One is the emphasis on recruiting, which a pyramid scheme is all about the show. It's all about making it look that something look like something great will result when there's actually very little substance underneath the surface. So when you emphasize recruiting over the product sales, and the products are so expensive that it really benefits someone to purchase them as a recruiter themselves, then it just breeds this continual growth that's not possible to sustain exactly like a pyramid scheme. The difference is that multi-level marketing does have products and pyramid schemes do not. But an emphasis on recruiting is something the SEC warns about. The promise of big earnings, again with the sunk cost, if you buy enough product and you have enough belief, eventually you'll be a millionaire. And then the third is that they promise that you'll see less, you'll see results with minimal effort. That's one of the big lies that a lot of pyramid schemes use to entice people to join. So that is a pyramid scheme. I'm going to get into what a multi-level marketing company is in a bit. But the next one is called direct sales. And in the past, this type of business model was really common. It was also known as door-to-door sales. It involves face-to-face interaction with customers and earning a commission off of each sale. So the people who were most successful at this type of sales method, business model, were talkative, engaging, personable, friendly. They really needed to get invited into someone's home in order to show the products. And then if they were convincing enough, that family would purchase their products and that person would make a commission. So the two levels that are common in direct sales are single level, where the products are sold directly to the consumer, and then multi-level, where the earnings come by sponsoring new sellers. So anymore, this model, this direct sales model, has been completely replaced by multi-level marketing. It almost doesn't exist anymore. When I was growing up, we had the Encyclopedia Britannica sales guy, we had Kirby Vacuums, I'm kind of giving you a sense of how old I am, the Avon lady, ding dong, Avon calling, and Tupperware. I remember going to uh, or hearing of people selling these. Eventually, a lot of these companies moved into MLM models where you'd have Tupperware parties, Avon parties and catalogs, which is the brick, click and flip, remember? And um, that changed. The other difference is that direct sales is not that bad of a model. It requires that there's a limit on the territory or geographic area where each salesperson was assigned. And this was to avoid direct competition with other salespeople in the company. That has completely gone away with MLMs. In fact, as I'll get into in a minute, one of the reasons why MLM distributors cannot really make much money is because they are competing with so many other people in their exact territory. So that was business model number eight. Number nine is affiliate sales. So this is a model that's been used online to get people excited about trying to make money and I find that it can be very damaging for 
people who really don't understand anything about online sales to get sucked into the belief that they can use this as a way to make a lot of money. So in affiliate sales, you partner with an established company and you're paid a commission based on the volume of traffic that you drive to their website. So if you are able to refer customers to the site, even if they don't buy anything, you can earn a small commission. And if you do this in a large volume, you can earn quite a bit of money, especially through um, passive income. But it requires a very complex formula to work. And the people who are generating millions of dollars a year have done it with a lot of really smart moves, usually with IT knowledge that the average person does not have. Um, please be wary of advisors who promise to set you up with a website that is supposed to make you lots of passive income, because most of the time this is just a sham. There's no actual value to the service that's provided. That's completely different, though, than a search engine optimization expert who may be able to set you up with a website that has actual value that can be proven with adjustments in how, how traffic moves to your website. So those are two completely different things. Affiliate sales can be useful in some cases, but it's a model that requires a lot of IT knowledge, and for most people that's not going to work out. And finally, number 10 in the business models is multi-level marketing. I've mentioned in the pyramid scheme portion that this is a brilliant, actually, way of selling something that relies on not only creating a lot of buzz about a product that may or may not do good things, that may or may not work in the long term, it has typically has a placebo effect, but also in incentivizing people to recruit others into becoming distributors. And it also has a multi-leveled structure meaning that the only way to really get more money is to recruit more people in a team and then have those people recruit people in their team with the belief that the more people you can surround yourself with and sign up under you, the more, the more you'll make money and the more successful you'll be in this venture. So it's been proven again and again and again that MLMs do not work out for the vast majority of people. Anyone who's actually making money has acquired a tremendous number of people underneath them. And those people are not making money, but the person at the top of this pyramid could be making a substantial amount off the work of other people who are really going into debt in order to stay in this cycle of hoping that they will succeed as well. So I've written a lot of articles about this as well. You can find them at laconticonsulting.com slash MLM. It's very scary to see how fast growing these companies are and how much they can ruin people's lives. But most MLMs focus on demonstrations, home parties, networking events, online parties, and they can even be in pop-up shops um, and other situations where people normally get together. They provide commissions and earnings bonuses based on the number of sales as well as the number of team sales, meaning that the people that you're recruiting have to sell and recruit other people in order for you to make more money. Now that you know about the 10 different types of business models, I want to explain the four ways that organizations are most vulnerable. Vulnerability is the state of being exposed to the possibility of harm or damage. It's the potential for things to go wrong. And there are four ways that that happens in a company. The first one is through waste. It's through actions that can cause ruin 
or consuming or spending or using something in a destructive way. Most companies have extreme waste, and they're in ways that are kind of hard to tell at first, but there could be overspending or spending on the wrong things. It could be an overuse of resources or even an overuse of time on actions that are not resulting in profitability. The second type of vulnerability in a company is loss. So this is actions that deprive. They can irreversibly take away an asset's value. Loss can happen in a lot of ways through customer refunds and exchanges. It can happen from the diminishing value of your resources. It can also happen through theft. There's so many ways that loss occurs in an organization and will contribute to its vulnerability to other things going wrong. The third type of organizational vulnerability is fraud. If you've ever had a credit card number stolen, you know exactly what this feels like. It is a terrible thing to be deceived by someone who is taking advantage of you. And the definition is that it's intentional deception to gain value, inflict harm, or gain an unfair advantage. Fraud includes things that you might not typically think about, like employees who mishandle communication with customers, or with customers that may be taking advantage of your generosity. It can also be from vendors and from members of community who are misapplying or trying to create advantages for themselves and that can actually create damage for your company. The fourth kind of vulnerability is abuse. This is actions that injure. It's inappropriate behavior that diminishes one's safety, dignity, or value. So abuse happens in many different forms in a company, and of course, no owner wants to be accused of any type of abuse. It's a horrible thing to be accused of, but it actually is quite common um, in the form of bullying or intimidation. There can also be emotional abuse that's occurring in a company through interactions from employees or managers or even owners who are not even aware that they're doing it. Unfortunately, this can create a lot of tension and create damage to not just your reputation, but also to the individuals that you work with and whom you serve. So these are the types of possibilities of harm or damage that can occur in a company. And I explained all these because these are also the types of things that make it clear when an organization is predatory, when they're taking advantage of others and they're looking for ways to damage someone or they're just creating a system that harms, then those things are predatory. So lastly, let's just review how a predatory company could be causing people to sign up or to use their service or product. There are six principles of influence that were developed by Robert Cialdini. There's a book that he wrote a long time ago that's still extremely applicable today called Influence. You can find the link in the blog post that's associated with this post at laconticonsulting.com slash podcast. But let's just review the six principles of influence, and then I'll talk about how they are used in predatory companies. The first one is reciprocity. It's giving something because you feel the need to give when you've received value. This is a principle that most humans have, and it works really well for companies that are taking advantage of others. Um, giving something small in exchange for the expectation that that customer will purchase something is a very powerful force. The second one is commitment. It's also known as consistency. 
This is our desire to not change our minds after we've committed to something. So if you've agreed to meet with someone for a get-together, and then you find out that that person is actually going to try to sell you something that you don't want to buy, or talk you into joining a group that you don't want to join, it's very hard to backtrack and say no and try to uninvite yourself. But this is a tactic that's used very commonly by predatory businesses because they know that once you agree, you're going to have to keep your word. The next type of persuasion or power that influence has on us is called social proof. It's our desire to follow what other people are doing, especially people that we admire or that we look up to or that we find a lot in common with. So this is one of the reasons why pyramid schemes and multi-level marketing really depends on relationships with people we are already familiar with. The principle of liking means that we tend to follow people who are similar to us. It's a power that groups have when there is a consistent thought process or philosophy or background or political ideologies. Something that brings people together in a group can also cause them to make very similar decisions about most everything else. And this can include purchasing items and um, having things in your home, behaving a certain way. It's just a power that psychologists have found is very, very useful in selling products, but it can also be extremely dangerous when it's used by predatory companies. Authority is the fifth one. It's where we tend to look up to experts. When there's a commercial on TV about a drug and you see someone in a lab coat, you immediately assume that there's some sort of medical authority, even if they're just an actor. The lab coat and the setting and the way that they set up the commercial are all designed to make us trust that person and to see them as an authority who then provides us with information that we can trust. So it's a tactic that's used by a lot of companies who are trying to attract people that may be skeptical because they can find experts in different fields that provide information that could soothe the minds or talk people into making decisions that they would otherwise not do. And the final principle or persuasion or influence is scarcity. This one is really, really common once you know what it is. It's the tendency for companies to pretend, even if it's not true, to give the impression that there's not a whole lot of time left, or there are only six seats left, or you're going to miss out unless you buy right now. There's a pressure that we feel to get something before it runs out. And this is often used as a tactic to talk people into purchasing, even though it may not be actually true. It is really effective, but it can also be twisted by companies that use the rest of these principles in tandem, and then they create a force of marketing that most people don't know why, but they really feel compelled to join. So you've just heard the 10 different types of business models, brick and mortar, brick and click, brick, click and flip, home-based business, online business, franchise, and then the not-so-nice ones, pyramid schemes, direct sales, affiliate sales, and multi-level marketing. Each of these has incredible value in certain markets, and it can attract a lot of people to purchase. But the problem is that some people that design these models can use it to harm others. We've also talked about the four types of organizational vulnerabilities, or situations in which there's a possibility of harm or damage occurring, which 
are controllable, but they have to be anticipated before they get worse. So these are waste, loss, fraud, and abuse. These different categories are extremely important to identify in an organization and to quantify, measure them, in order to avoid risks from becoming threats and then actual damage to the company. So I mention this because it's very important to create your company and to design it in a way that minimizes exposure to vulnerability, but also that provides value. And by mixing these two things together with a strategic risk intelligence or understanding both how you're moving in the future and marketing and looking ahead, and also how you're protecting and making sure you avoid bad decisions, you can create a a company that fulfills both a business model that's going to work best with your audience, with your potential customers, but also avoid making decisions that could really cause ruin. And the third thing we reviewed was the six principles of how to influence people who may not even know that they are being influenced. It's very, very common tactics in the marketing world, but they can also be misused by companies that create an opportunity that takes advantage of people who are vulnerable. And that would be reciprocity or giving something in order to expect something in return, commitment, which is being consistent and expecting someone to be consistent in their decision making, the social proof of wanting to do what other people do, liking or following those who are similar to us, the authority of using an expert to convince people to buy based on that expert's knowledge or position, and scarcity or limiting the amount or the time period in which something is available. Because let's face it, nobody wants to be left out of joining a great opportunity or using a great product that everybody else has. We just don't want to be left out. We want to be included. And that's one of the fundamental things that makes us human is feeling included and having a sense of belonging. It's one of the components of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, belonging and feeling accepted and having your esteem through the feedback of others. All of those needs are used and twisted by some business owners who create either a model that takes advantage or they use the elements of persuasion to try to attract people who are most vulnerable. And in order to avoid doing that as a business owner, you can put things in place where you're examining how you may be vulnerable and which questions to ask in order to foresee the threats and mitigate those risks instead of experiencing loss or damage. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion about vulnerabilities and what makes a business predatory and some ways that you can examine your own company in order to be more strategic risk intelligent. If you want to see more about this, feel free to visit my website so you can get a transcript of this podcast as well as visuals that explain everything that I've discussed. You can find it at laconteconsulting.com slash podcast. That's L-A-C-O-N-T-E consulting.com. That's it for this episode of What's Wrong With Your Business. If you have a question or a comment about this episode or any episode in this series, you can leave it at the Anchor app or go to my website and leave it there at laconticonsulting.com slash podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes as we answer the question, what's wrong with your business? Here's to your success. Thank you.